Hey there, my name is Shane Craddock, and this is the Inner Edge podcast, where I share a different take on how to lead and live a sustainable, high-performance life. Over the course of different episodes, I'm going to challenge the belief that tension, stress, and struggle are essential to success and creativity. My experience is that there's an easier way, there's a better way, and indeed, there's an essential way that we need to explore for the times that we live in. So let's go ahead, let's jump in and explore. Hey there, welcome to uh, today's episode, which is going to be a little bit different. Um, And if I'm honest, I'm probably a little bit nervous about this one. (laughs) Um, And the only reason I'm nervous is because my inner voice is kind of saying to me or has been saying to me over the last day when I thought of doing it this way, are you sure you want to do this now, Craddock? Um, And and the reason is because it's it's very personal. and it wasn't what I had planned, but I had a conversation with somebody during the week who was going or is going through a tough time mentally. And um, I, I was telling them about a talk that I'd done and then they asked, could they listen to it? And I sent them a copy and, and they told me it made a big difference. And um, I, I, I'll tell you the background to, the, to, the, to this, but basically it's, a, it's about a 14, 15 minute talk that I did two years ago. A friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, Philip McKernan, who's a bit of a character himself, um, and a great innovator. Um, well, one of the products or brands he created is a thing called One Last Talk. Very interesting concept. He wrote a book about it as well, if you want to check that out. Um, and basically, he came up with this concept where if you, had, you know, if you had to give one last talk and then you were to die or leave the planet, as in get kidnapped by aliens, etc., um, what would you say? And um, he has taken this concept internationally and it's it's done very well and has made a big difference to people and it's i think it's a very authentic way of maybe connecting into stories that sometimes people just won't tell otherwise and philip asked me after a, a little bit of time to would i he was doing a talk in dublin he's going to organize where he had three speakers or four speakers talking in dublin would i be one of the speakers and um initially i wasn't too sure because it's i don't know it's it was i just wasn't sure but then i kind of went okay let's do it and I decided to tell a story about the, the one of the most difficult days of my life, a day where if something, if I if I hadn't made a phone call, I certainly probably wouldn't be here as the truth. And um, and I have spoken at conferences and different events where I've told this story to a degree, but the difference going through Philip's process was that it kind of made me connect with the story in a very personal way kind of brought me right back into that emotion which was at the time difficult um because it's funny when you get used to telling a story i'm sure you can relate to this you know if you're telling a story about yourself after a bit of repetition you can kind of tell it in a way that you're not connected to the story um, it's almost like looking at somebody else which is the way i kind of think about me at that time it was like a different me which it was um but this process brought me right into the emotion of it and for the good and bad of that. but And so as a result, the way I told the story was different. And <clears throat> what you're going to listen to here, said he nervously, is a recording that I actually haven't listened to for two years until today. Um, uh, Philip sent me a recording. It was done in, I think, January 2019. Um, it's in a small room over a pub. I think it was Kyo's, I think on, on Bagot Street, which is a famous street in Dublin, if you're not from Ireland lovely gorgeous room upstairs and it was 
packed full of about, I don't know, 60 people or so. And we had about, there was four speakers and I think I was first up as, as my memory serves me right. So um, I was a little bit nervous and you probably hear that in my voice. Um, and so then I told the, told the story and I'm going to let you listen to that. And then after the talk, um, I'm going to just give you a couple of comments on how I think things now. And again, today was the first time in two years that I've listened to it myself. And the, Philip gave it to me and said, look, you can share it out. And I didn't really feel like I wanted to share it out because, I don't know, maybe I just was listening to my inner voice too much, but my gut was telling me, don't listen. I don't want to listen to it. It almost seemed as an Irish person, because we're drilled this way, maybe, or our generation is anyway, not to be overly self-indulgent indulgent, and kind of get over yourself and let's get on with it. So that's the bit of me that's a little bit nervous that, you know, you might listen to this and think, Jay's, you know, your man's very indulgent, self-indulgent, and maybe I am, I don't know. But then again, because of what I saw with my friend during the week, you know, and also listening to the story, and then also over the years I've told clients about my own struggle with depression at that time, and I'll talk again over the next couple of episodes around, in particular, entrepreneurs and depression, because I came across some research recently to do with uh, entrepreneurs that they seem to suffer twice as much as the average person and there's a higher there's, there's double chance of entrepreneurs suffering from depression which is interesting and i will talk a bit about that over the coming episodes but for today um you're going to listen to this recording in dublin in january 2019 in that pub um hosted by as a philip mckernan this one last talk um the the audio mightn't be as pure as what you're listening to here it might be a little bit of uh, peripheral sound but you, you'll, you'll be able to hear my voice fine um, and so sit back, have a listen to it. And uh, yeah, I'll see you at the other side of this. So I have a 50 pence piece in my hand. It's the Irish 50 pence piece. And as I remember, it's got about six or seven sides to it. And it's, it's silver. And it's funny how even thinking about it now that a coin in your hand can, can save your life because this is what this coin did for me. Um, I'm standing in a, in a phone box, the kind you don't really see anymore, it's just before mobile phones kicked out or kicked off, and it's kind of got the perspex sides, <clears throat> and I'm about uh, a quarter mile down the road from where I worked at the time in Cork, and it's a blue sky day on the 14th of July 1995, um, about four days before my uh, 24th birthday, so, you know, happy happy day, bright day, but I wasn't feeling too good at the time. And as I put the coin into the phone box, I could hear the old exchange clickety-click, if you remember that. And having, having the phone in my hand, and I was ringing home to my parents' house in Kilkenny. Um, and my intention was to say goodbye to my mother without using the word goodbye, uh, because I decided that I was going to... Uh, take my life by the end of that day. And I don't say that lightly because that was actually the truth. Um, now what happened next kind of changed things obviously because I'm still here. And so what happened was my dad answered the phone. My dad was a Friday, it was about 2.30 p.m. He shouldn't have been there. And uh, as it turned out, he explained to me that he had a late lunch where he worked in Guinness in the Smithwick's Brewery in Kilkenny. My dad's about the same height as me, a bit of a beer belly from working in his life as a, as a brewer. A good guy, but a typical Irish dad. Um, wouldn't be into the deep and meaningful conversations on the phone. <laughs> so generally, 
he'd have three questions to get me off the phone as quickly as possible. The first one is, how's work? Second question is, did you see the match? And third question is, will I get your mother? <laughs> and actually, in this case, that was the question that I wanted to get to, because I did want to speak to my mother, as I said. But my dad didn't ask any of those questions on this occasion. He asked a different question. He said, what's wrong? And I couldn't answer the question. In fact, I just gave a silence like this. And he kept going, what's wrong? Until eventually I got out something that gave a response, like an answer. But it wasn't, didn't make any sense. And eventually I started crying. Six foot man, hairy hands. Yeah, I was crying. Um, but I couldn't say to my dad, how do you say to the person that you admire maybe the most on the planet that you are planning to take your life? I, I couldn't say that. It was hard, I found it hard even to admit it. Even now to say it is difficult. Um, but eventually he said to me, is it bad? And I said, yeah. And he said, is, 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 it's you. You're, you're, you're in a bad way. And I said, yeah. And there was kind of silence for a while. And he just listened. But he wasn't listening to me talking, he was listening to me kind of crying. And eventually he said, listen, I tell you what, where are you right now? And I told him I was in this phone box. And he said, will you stay there for the next five minutes and I'll ring you back. And he rang me back in about three, maybe four minutes time. And he said, okay, I need you to ring this number. You're going to talk to a guy called Morris and he's going to help you. And I said, Who, who's he? He said, he's a counselor. He's a good friend of mine. He's going to help you with whatever's going on. And God helped me and God helped my dad, but I lost the head with my dad then because how dare you? Um, you know, I don't need that kind of help. Here I was thinking of doing what I was doing and I lost it. But I think it was more the frustration and the anger and the emotion as so I'm coming out at my dad. But even in that moment, he didn't react. He just listened. He said, listen, Shane, just ring the guy. He said, he's going to be able to help you. Will you promise me you'll ring, you'll ring him? And he wouldn't get off the phone until I made that promise because he, my dad knows me well. If I make a promise, I have to follow through on it. So I made the promise. I rang the number and this friendly but professional voice answered the phone, Morris. And being the guy that he was, he got very quickly to the nub of what I was going to do. And he got me to say out loud what I was actually going to do. And I had, had a degree in chemical engineering. So I, I was pretty good with chemicals. I knew exactly what I was going to do. It wasn't complicated from my point of view. But he got me to say it out loud. And that was difficult. And he said to me, he said, look, he said, this is serious. I'm not going to lie to you, you know, where you're at right now. So he said, I want you to go back to work, make whatever excuse you can, and come and see me in Waterford. At the time, I was in Cork. Drive to me in Waterford, make whatever excuse you can. So that's what I did. Went back and said I wasn't feeling too good. Got in my car, <coughs> which ironically at the time was a, a Volkswagen Polo. If you remember, it was like long, a little like a mini hearse, ironically. <laughs> and I was driving on that blue sky day from Cork to Waterford. It takes about maybe two hours. And I remember I was just driving, driving down that road. It's a beautiful coast, if you've ever gone that way. I remember thinking to myself, <coughs> how the hell did I get here? Because on paper, I shouldn't have been there. Um, in fact, that was part of the problem, that I felt guilty about the fact that I was there. Because I shouldn't have felt like that, I thought. Um, I told, I'd been told if I did, got good grades in school, uh, got an honours degree in a good university, and then went to work for a big company like a multinational where I was working, I had the job that I wanted or so I thought, what, what had gone wrong? I did everything that everybody had told me to do. But yet, inside, honestly, I was dying. So in my mind at the time, even though it might seem logical, if I was dying every day, why bother waiting? Let's just end it. 
But that was part of the problem as I realized as I went along, not then, but later, that I was doing what I thought everybody else had taught me to do was success or was what you had to do. I had no sense of what I actually wanted. I had no sense of even who I was. So when I got to Waterford, it was still a blue sky day, and I got to this small street, I still remember the street, a place called Barrack Street in Waterford, if you know it. There was a small little grey house, and I knocked on the door, knock, knock, and this door, the door opened up, and there was Morris. Friendly blue eyes, a really lived-in face, because he'd had his own challenges himself, and the mankiest jumper you could ever see. <laughs> I always remember the jumper, it was manky. But I was feeling pretty good, and he said to me, hey, we made introductions, then he said, you know, I've got to say, I thought you'd be a little bit more down from the guy I was talking to on the phone. I said, yeah, but you're here. He said, so? He said, well, you're going to solve it for me. And I could just remember just thinking in that moment, his eyes changed a little bit, because I remember it was, I thought I interpreted it as pity. And he said, okay, let's come inside. And he brought me to the back room where his, where his office was. And we sat, it was a kind of a dark room with a bit of light coming through the blinds. He said, look, Shane, I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to fix it for you. I'm going to help you to fix it. And I was thinking, this guy's a lunatic. I, I, I don't know how to fix this. And all of a sudden, I could feel the pressure coming back in. <clears throat> and that was the start of many conversations. But an important thing happened in that particular meeting, which really changed everything and caused me to be here tonight. The first was that, I think it was probably the first time ever, honestly, that I can remember a human being listening to me with no judgment. Just listening to me. They didn't interrupt. They didn't do the Irish thing of, she'll be grand. Stop worrying. Think positive. Because as I realized as I went into it, I was actually depressed, seriously depressed. And it had built over many, many years, I'd say maybe four or five. <clears throat> The second thing was he said to me was, he said, do you realize that you have a mind? And honest to God, it's different now because everybody talks about it, but I didn't know what the guy was talking about. And then he followed it up very quickly with, you know, you have this little voice in your mind that's talking about everything and it's commenting about everything. And, it's, and I was like, yeah, well, I know about that because it's telling me to do things to myself that are not pretty good. So I know about that, but I thought that was me because, yeah, that's not really you. That, that's a different party. That's not the real you. And I asked the guy, I was thinking, I might be the guy thinking about killing myself, but this guy is nuts. <laughs> this guy is nuts. Because I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. I have a, think I have a better understanding of it now. Because that was a game changer for me when I started to digest what, was actually, what he was actually saying to me. But then the clangor was, he said, look, Shane, we can turn this around. I can help you turn it around. But there's one thing. He said, you have to convince me. You have to make a decision that you're going to live, that you're not, that I'm not going to go get a phone call from your dad someday soon to say, I'm sorry, we lost him. And I said, look, Mars, I'll do whatever. He said, no, that's not good enough. He said, you need to go away, have a conversation with yourself down somewhere today and can just deal with the reality of what you're about to do and then have, make a decision that you're going to stay. And I thought that was a little bit ridiculous, to be honest with you, because I just wanted to get into it. Let's give me the pill. Let me, let's fix it for me. <clears throat> I remember afterwards, when we finished that particular session, I went down to the waterfront in my Volkswagen hearse. And it was raining at this point. And I remember actually sitting there, looking at the rain like something out of a Shakespeare play. And then my tears came, because I realized the weight of what I, actually, what I was actually going to do the insanity of it. 
Is that five to go or five? Five to go. <clears throat> but in that moment, I realized the practicality of his wisdom. And I made a decision because I had a conversation with myself and I said I was going to live. Simple as it sounds, I said actually I was going to live. And that really, if I track it back, I've forgotten that moment many times over the intervening years to now. I've forgotten it. Um, and even going through this process has reminded me of the value of it. But there's days when I have remembered it. And it has brought me through uh, different things. And over the following years, that decision has allowed me to kind of go deeper into exploring perhaps um, what's the most important skill in life is to actually live. And I realized the value of, of life and of my life. Because the problem also at that point, as I realized going through the work with Morris and then beyond that was, the reason I got there ultimately, there was nothing to do with anybody else. It was all to do with me just not valuing myself. Simple as that seems. And that to me, if I'd heard it years ago, would have sound corny, but now it means something different to me, is to value myself. Because here's the thing, if, I, if you were my friend, if you were my family member, if you were somebody who was close to me, I would have taken a bullet for you to save your life. Wasn't gonna do it for myself. In fact, I wanted to end my life. So I would see the value in you, I would see the value in my friends, but I just didn't see it in myself. And I've had to actually learn that over time. And I forget it every now and again still the value of myself, the value of my life. Um, and that made all the difference. And <clears throat> I think in preparing for this talk and knowing Philip and the one last talk process, I thought, God, I need to talk to my dad. I need to say, you know, thank you, because that changed my life. I've never actually had said thank you to him properly. Um, and he lives in Kilkenny, I went down there. His health isn't the best, but he's still reasonably okay to talk to. And so I said, you know, I built myself up. I was quite nervous. I said, Dad, you know, I just want to say thank you. You know, that moment, it changed my life because it, if you hadn't answered, I'm not quite sure what would have happened. And he turned around to me and he said, really? I don't remember that phone call. <laughs> he didn't remember it. He had no memory of it. He remembered the time. He remembered connecting me to Morris. Um, he remembered that old period, but he had no memory of that phone call whatsoever. But it kind of makes sense when I thought about it, because how, why would he? The emotional intensity on my side, because I knew what I was going to do, I don't think he probably realized the seriousness of what, where I actually was. He did what he had to do. And that in itself, perhaps for me, was probably the biggest lesson of all, that the fact that he was alive and he just interacted with someone he loved, and cared with or cared for and just did whatever he could to help change that person's life. I was just lucky enough for me that it was me. That's it, thank you. So there you go. Um, I have to admit, uh, it's kind of strange for me to listen to that, listen back to that today. Um, I can hear the, the rawness of it. I can hear the nervousness in my voice at times. Um, but I've also heard then today some things that I'd forgotten. Um, but I think, you know, if it means anything to anybody, because obviously in the current time we're in with the pandemic and a lot of pain and suffering over the last 12 months for many different people for different reasons, whether it's losing jobs, losing businesses, or just the pain of, being in the situation that you're in. Um, 
I hope that this makes a difference maybe to somebody, if not to you, maybe to somebody around you that would relate to it or appreciate it. Because if I'm able to turn my situation around from that situ- from that moment, I think like for me, anybody can. And I mean, three things that come to mind without going into it too much is that, you know, the first thing is that once you realize you're not alone um, and that actually in a way, like looking back, like I was doing it to myself. And that's the weird thing about that time is that we don't always join the knots between how we feel and what we're thinking. And really, I just had no control or no awareness of the connection between whatever you're feeling is because of what you're thinking. And, and in my experience, that that is massive on every level. And what's come out of that time for me, you know, is, and, and it's, it struck me really as I'm listening to it, is that, God, at that time when I was back there, it just seemed so like the world was going to end. It just seemed like I had no way out. It's hopeless. I felt that, but something that seemed bad such a long time ago can end up being really great. Because right now, weirdly, I'm actually so grateful that that time happened. Because otherwise, I wouldn't have looked in a new direction. I wouldn't have looked inside myself. I wouldn't have started to explore the inner world, what the mind means. And then, out of all that, because the the, the bit that I've discovered is that the same principles to kind of bring back recovery, to go to just to survive, and then to maybe just to live, be alive. Actually, the same inner principles help you to thrive, both in business, because most of my work was on with entrepreneurs and CEOs and founders, businesses, but in business, but also in life and relationships. It's the same thing. And I just think that's worthy of note because there's definitely going to be people listening to this who might be going through a really tough time in their mind. But some very often the things that we think are really, really bad could be losing a business, getting fired, even death, even sickness very often when we look back go oh well actually this wouldn't have happened except for that so something that's really bad ends up being really really good um actually what's coming to mind is a beautiful book by a guy called uh eugene o'kelly former ceo of uh kpmg us i believe and uh, he wrote a book called chasing daylight beautiful book but uh, really true story about True story, but he, he was diagnosed uh, with terminal cancer. I think it was brain cancer. Only uh, only given a few months to live, and he, he had to completely change everything from being a busy CEO to just organizing his affairs. And the book is about that. But I always remember, I'm not sure about the exact words, but the tone of it was incredible because he almost said that those few months were the happiest of his life, which is incredible to say for somebody who on the outside maybe would have seemed to have had it all. A CEO saying, well, actually, the few months, because it, it just, it focused his mind into the present. Um, and that brings me to the second point is that I mentioned in the podcast, which I completely had forgotten, was around this saying that it was the first time that somebody had, I felt had really listened to me. It's what I would call now deep listening. It's not proactive listening that you hear often in the business or corporate world, because to me, I think that's complete BS. Um, it's not as good as just really deep listening and deep listening is where you are not even thinking about anything with the person as you're looking at them and it's something that i think maybe because i saw the difference it made to me with morris he gave it to me that i hadn't really copped it but um i've heard it over many years that and this isn't i hope egotistical but it's just i've heard it from people saying to me god yeah you know you really listen to me but it's just because i believe that that's it's a form of respect but if also we both if we listen we create something an interesting space for wisdom to emerge 
And if wisdom emerges out of my client, that's more powerful than anything I can tell them because they see it for themselves. So, you know, finding somebody who is a great listener or even giving that gift of listening to a friend where you're not trying to fix, you're not trying to offer advice, you're not even in your mind, you're just pushing away the inner thought that's judging or commenting, just push it away and listen. It's amazing what will happen if somebody feels like they're really being listened to. They relax. Something relaxes in them. And that can bring out something very interesting. And I think if you're a leader and a business owner, um, somebody who's keen for you know, helping others around you to grow as much as yourself, you can probably think about that, reflect on it, and probably you'll see, actually, yeah, when I was listening, they seemed to relax and something came into the room. Um, and then the last thing just to close out with is, uh, and I mentioned just a little bit ago, but it's just that decision. Um, sometimes all it takes is for you or the person to make a decision that, no, I've had enough of this, I'm turning this around, or, yeah, I don't care about whatever way I think I've been in terms of procrastination or negativity or being a victim. I'm making a decision today, and I'm going to change it up. I'm going to, I'm going to move the dial, knowing that, yeah, I'll still get a few punches. That's life. That's business. Um, but a decision is one of the most priceless things you could ever make just to turn things around. So there you go. A little bit different today. Um, I don't know. If, if, you, if you like kind of the tone of this, let me know. And in general, if you like the podcast, I would appreciate it if you could leave a review um, or at least a like or maybe share it with somebody who you think might appreciate some of this uh, content. Okay. Food for thought. Bye-bye.